This is part four of the Nibelungenlied. Hello friends, my name is Patrick Little and welcome to A Little History, the show that takes a look at human history eh, a little differently. I'm an ancient history major and an all-round nerd for all things history. I love telling stories, talking shit and cracking beers. So won't you join me as I present some of the well-known and not so well-known stories of our history. Sometimes I have a guest coming in cold and sometimes it's just you and me. This first season, the Mythology Apology, we'll be looking at some of the stories that we have been telling each other for thousands of years. A look at the mythology and folklore from many of our cultures. Stories that seek to explain everything from the world around us, warnings against messing with the higher powers, or sometimes just for the sheer entertainment. So settle in, drink them if you got them, get ready to laugh, and hopefully learn something new about the glorious mess that is our history. With a little shit talking and silly sound effects as well. Brunhild. Who immediately made her their queen. As a cow? No, as a human. Unfortunately, he trips on a tangled root and kind of knocks himself out. <laughs> so he's a horse mechanic and he's a He's a horse mechanic. I didn't need a freaking story about making pies, man. I know how to make a bloody pie. I've caught you the deathless. <laughs> Give me the fucking ball, and I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to give Gilgamesh a piece of my mind. <laughs> Sorry. Plexipus. Homeless Gandalf without a beard. I'm not going to help you at this point, but what you should do is you should leave your silver snuff box with us for us to remember you by. <laughs> silver snuff box. And she, uh, she starts cursing Gilgamesh, being like, fuck you, Gilgamesh, you piece of shit. So he heads back to Mycenae with Cassandra the concubine. <laughs> Is that what she's known as? You had one job to do, mate. One <laughs> fucking job. Don't look in the closet. I'm glad I got your attention. Welcome back, everybody, to A Little History Podcast. Hope you guys are all having a fantastic day or night, uh, depending on when you're hearing this. Uh, welcome back to the periodic retelling of the Germanic epic, the Nibelungenlied. Uh, we're up to part three now. If you wanted to catch up and get fully appraised on the stories thus far, uh, go back and check out episodes 9 and 18 on the episode lists. Uh, and a heads up for those of you guys playing at home, uh, I'll be going from Margaret Armour's 1999 translation of the Nibelungenlied for the story. Uh, now, this is your early reminder to like this episode. Give us a like. Uh, follow the show wherever you're hearing us and tell your peeps about us. Um, bring them into the crazy adventure that we're on. Uh, and that's all for me right now. So let's get into it. So to recap where we left off back in uh, episode 18, the king of Burgundy has been invaded by the two dick kings, Ludgar and Ludgast. Uh, Siegfried from the Netherlands has rode out at the head of a numerically inferior force of Burgundians and has won a stellar victory over the combined forces of Saxons and Danes. Uh, also capturing Ludgar and Ludgast in the process. So not a bad job there for Siegfried. So this, in Siegfried's mind, surely proves to the Burgundian king Gunther that Siegfried's a decent bloke, uh, even though he arrived unannounced and uninvited and uh, pretty much said he wants to take Gunther's shit, then hangs out there for a year mooching off the Burgundian's hospitality. Mm, got any chips, bro? But that's all good anyway. Uh, Gunther 
he was in a tough spot because, you know, you got Siegfried, who's uh, famous for offering some 700 Nibelungs and pressing the dwarf Alberic into his service. Uh, also, he grabbed the legendary sword Balmung and managed to slay a dragon, which was guarding a fantastic fortune. So, oh, he also bathed in the dragon's blood, making his skin super tough. Uh, you don't really want to get on his bad side. So, but on top of that, remember that Siegfried's in love with the as yet unseen and unintroduced sister of Gunther, the lovely Kriemhild. Kriemhild. So Siegfried's efforts in battle have earned him wider claim from the Burgundians and from Gunther himself. Uh, the king's pretty chuffed and he's preparing a massive party to celebrate the victory. You guys all caught up? Good. But again, if you want to listen to the previous episodes, get back uh, and get up to date. Listen to my ramblings on episode 9 and then episode 18. And with that out of the way, let's continue the story. So the party is being planned and everyone's getting pretty excited about what is sure to be the event of the year. Siegfried, though, he's feeling a little homesick and he asks uh, the King Gunther for his leave to return home to the Netherlands to see his parents, Sigmund and Sieglind. Uh, but Gunther's, you know, pretty, uh, he's growing pretty fond of Siegfried uh, and his abilities as a uh, virtually invulnerable boss fighter uh, and begs the young prince to stick around uh, just a while longer. Siegfried eventually agrees to stay uh, in the hopes that he can finally meet the lovely Kriemhild, you know, the girl who he's been in love with without having any sort of communication with. Uh, so with Siegfried hanging out, it's time to party. Uh, now, it's the who's who of the kingdom in attendance. All those wounded soldiers from the war against the armies of the kings Ludgar and Ludgast are apparently forgetting their injuries, or at least paying no mind to them for the time being, so that they may endeavour to take part in the splendour of the evening. Giselher and Gernot, they did not rest in welcoming the guests, both friends and strangers alike. It was a happy time, all would agree. Now, I should say that for the entire time, Siegfried's, Siegfried was a guest within the Kingdom of Burgundy, the lovely Kriemhild being kept in hiding, never to be seen in public. Kriemhild be creeping. Oh, me, I'm still creeping. The Gunther isn't blind to the love which Siegfried bears for Kriemhild. Even though he's, you know, trying to hide it pretty well, Gunther seems to have picked up on it a little bit. And Gunther and Ortwin of Metz um, discuss the matter. And Ortwin is like, Gunther, now's the time to have your sister finally come out in public. Come on, mate. It's been over a year. Get her out of her creeping tower or wherever it is you keep her. Get her out and get her into it. And so Gunther agrees and sends word to his mother, Uta, and uh, that she and Kriemhild should make ready to join the festivities in person. Because, you know, for sure these girls were hitting up, like, some bubbly in the tower beforehand. They weren't saying so, but... You fuck you guys down there. You have your party. We don't have our party. Woo! So anyway, Kriemhild arrives at the party. From the translation, like the dawn out of the dark clouds. Oh, it's all sunny now that she's here. That's from Margaret Armour's translation. As well as Uta and a shit ton of retainers and ladies-in-waiting. So they just like, boom, crash into the party. And when Siegfried sees Kriemhild, the never-before-seen commander of his heart, he becomes sad and believes that he will never be able to gain the princess's love and that it is even foolish to try. Wow. 
All I can say is that Kriemhild must be something utterly insane to make Siegfried I've killed 700 blokes, a dragon, and impervious to attack. Threatened to take the kingdom when I only had 12 dudes with me. And take two enemy kings captive in a stunning victory. To make this guy doubt his chances of Kriemhild returning his affections. She must be, whoa, like, like an, not a 10. She's like a 13, a 20. <laughs> Kriemhild, she's got it going on. But as Siegfried is catching his first glimpse of his beloved, so too are many other knights. Uh, they're seeing the arrival of Kriemhild, Uta, and the retinue arrive. And there are a lot of awkward dudes arranging, you know, rearranging raging boners or something like that. Like, they're pretty like, oh, that, that's pretty, that's a pretty nice sight. We've got public boners. Uh, either way, they love what's going on and they start to become enthralled by the grace and beauty of Kriemhild in particular. Now, we hear that it is Gernot who encourages his brother Gunther to introduce the sister Kriemhild to Siegfried. Because he's like, dude, if those two get together, then, you know, he probably won't be trying to fight us and take our shit. He's a pretty boss dude, uh, you know, to have on our side. So maybe we should have him on our side, you know? So it is then that the lovely Princess Kriemhild and the Falcon Prince <laughs> Siegfried uh, meet and they both blush and bow and curtsy like a couple of horny teenagers. They're a bit shy, but they, 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 they like what they see. They take each other's hand and walk together whilst exchanging tender looks of deep emotion and longing. While this is happening, there's a score of other blokes in the crowd watching with utter jealousy at the good fortune of Siegfried. We've still got public boners, but that's fine. Anyway, these two cuties, they're having a great time. And Kriemhild even bestows a little kiss uh, on Siegfried. I think it was on his cheek. So, you know, enough, I guess. After witnessing this kiss, uh, the, the King Ludgast of Denmark says something like, Ah, man, that kiss has been the reason why so many good men lay dead or wounded. And that's where you got to be like, hang on there a second, Ludgast. Uh, it was you and Ludgar who invaded Burgundy with the intention of conquest, if you remember. It's a bit fucking rich of you to be putting those injuries and deaths at Siegfried's feet. Uh, mate, you definitely, your blood is on your hands, you knob. Ludgar's pretty shit. <laughs> but anyway, I reckon he speaks more from uh, of lamentation of what has happened, or perhaps what uh, is going to happen. Uh, more than any, more than laying any real blame, because uh, he doesn't really have a leg to stand on, our, uh, our Ludgast. So, whatever. You reap what you sow. Anyway, uh, back to Creamhild and her falcon. Uh, they head to and from the church, and afterwards she's like, Ah, oh, thanks for coming and saving us, I reckon. I'm a fan. And uh, Siegfried's like, All I have done is to earn your favour. Like, even threatening to take uh, her brother's kingdom uh, when you got their first mate. That's pretty rough. Uh, anyway, the two hang out for 12 days and are all lovey-dovey. Uh, meanwhile, the two defeated kings and captives of Gunther, Ludgar and Ludgast, tell Gunther that they desire to return home. And you're like, no shit. You guys are prisoners of your victorious adversary. Of course you probably want to get out of there. What a fucking rich. Oh, I want to go home now. Like, fucking, yeah, should have thought about that before you invaded. And Gunther, he considers this, and then he seeks out Siegfried to ask his counsel. And Siegfried is down for letting the pair of kings return to their homelands if they promise never to invade Burgundy again. And Gunther's like, that's a great plan, mate, uh, but I should probably give them both uh, shields uh, full of shit, full of like a shit ton of gold on it, uh, and so for them to take with them as well. 
Apparently not. And that's exactly what he does. He bestows two shields laden with golden treasure on the two prisoner kings, which they in turn make a pledge of peace. So both Ludgar and Ludgast, now friends of Gunther of Burgundy. The best of friends. They now leave the realm with honour. Now let's just hold up a tick. How is that going to go down with the people of Burgundy? You know, Gunther's people. Them seen, as in the people seen, the two architects of an unprovoked attack on your lands, resulting in the death and injury of your people, leaving your lands unharmed and getting paid after they lost? (laughs) And they're not even made vassals or anything like that? You know, not to bring things to Game of Thrones. I do that a lot in this show, but like... But remember what happened when Catelyn Stark was all about freeing Jamie Lannister? You know, how well did that uh, go for the Starks and their bannermen in the end? Like, Gunther's meant to be, like, magnanimous and all that shit. But, like, oh, mate, that's pretty some some unrealistic, like, utopian, like, thoughts and, 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 and actions, I reckon. But fuck me. And back to the story. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Siegfried is also, uh, he's still a bit homesick, and he wishes to head back to see his peeps. But this time, it's Gieselhair, Kriemhild's other brother, who's like, mm, mate, you should stay here and keep hanging out with my sister. Like, she's so lovely, and uh, you guys are getting on great. Uh, you should stick around, bud. And Siegfried again agrees, and he stays in Burgundy even longer, seeing the princess almost daily. Uh, which is nice, although Siegfried, he's a bit tormented by how much he loves Kriemhild, and also the fear that he will not be able to be with her. And that's where you go, I think you're doing all right, mate. <clears throat> Like, she's already smooched you in public, which is pretty big back in those times, especially. She's keen, you know, her brothers are keen. Uh, plus, you're the Falcon Dream, remember? Like, what's the problem? Although, that last bit of that Falcon Dream, he wouldn't know about that. So, that's just us, the reader, having a bit of fun with that one. Uh, so, everyone is happy. The two kings, Ludgar and Ludgast, return home with loads of treasure and min- minimal repercussions for their invasion. Apparently not. And Siegfried and his crew, um, you know, and the Burgundians hang out and continue to have tournaments and parties and shit. Uh, so we'll leave it there for a quick break. Uh, but when we return, it's Gunther's turn to have a little uh, little love quest. Uh, word has come across the River Rhine into the land of Burgundy of a queen who lives across the sea. Her name is Brunhild. Brunhild. We're back in a tick. So we're back. Uh, so just to recap, the Falcon Prince Siegfried has finally met the lovely Princess Kriemhild. And the two are obviously smitten with each other, swapping flirty smirks at each other and hanging out a ton. King Gunther and his brothers are down for this, believing that it would be wise to bring Siegfried into the family and possibly avoid conflict with the young prince from the Netherlands. Siegfried had planned to leave twice already, just to go back and, you know, see his family and all that, each time staying due to his deep desire for Kriemhild, though distraught that he's not worthy of her. The kings of the Saxons and Danes, Ludgar and Ludgast, have been made friends and sent home with a ton of bling, seemingly getting away with a whole invasion uh, with virtually a slap on the wrist. 
Uh, everyone now is chilling at the City of Worms when word reaches Gunther's court of, of Queen Brunhild. Now, Brunhild is a queen of Iceland, her main seat being at the fortress of Eisenstein. Now, Siegfried knows of her reputation as being a badass warrior of immense strength and skill. Uh, she has laid down the challenge that if any man wished to marry her, they must first best her in several athletic challenges. If the challenger fails any of these, he shall lose his head. So think like uh, like Onomaeus from like episode two with his like weird chariot race rules to marry his daughter. Like anyone who loses the challenge, they die. So we're playing high stakes, high stakes uh, athletic challenges for these ones, guys. So Siegfried, he's heard of uh, this reputation of the formidable Icelandic queen and tells Gunther. Now Gunther, he immediately bars up at the prospect of Brunhild and he resolves to travel to Brunhild's queendom and attempt the challenge. Uh, Siegfried's like, mate, I probably wouldn't do that if I were you. Like this Brunhild, she's no pushover. Uh, she's messed, like, she messes up dudes for breakfast. Like, she's she's a tall order, mate. But this is the point when the wise and knowledgeable Hagan, uh, seemingly agreeing with uh, Siegfried's view that Gunther himself shouldn't attempt this, uh, he speaks quietly to Gunther, and he's like, so, this Brunhild, she's, she's a bit of a tall order, mate. But how about you get Siegfried to come along and help you out a little bit? You know the guy who's killed dra- who's killed like a dragon and like shit ton of blokes already, impervious to uh to attack that guy. Yeah, you might bring him along, see what happens. And so Gunther asks Siegfried to come along and help him out on his adventure, offering to grant him something in return. But there's only one thing that the young Falcon Prince wants, and so he requests the hand of the lovely Creamhild. Creamhild in marriage. And Gunther's like, of course, mate. Like, we were probably going to, like, we'll probably work towards that anyway. But, like, yeah, I'm totally down for this. Like, let's swear some oaths in this ship. And the two uh, swear their oaths and are now bounded together on this quest. This love quest. Bounded on a love quest. Siegfried, he digs through his gear and finds the cloud cloak of invisibility, which he grabbed off the dwarf Alberic, which we remember hearing about in episode one. Cloud cloak. Uh, which, as well as having the power of invisibility, also grants the wearer the power of 12 men. With 12 do strength as well. So it's a pretty handy thing to have with you, because Gunther only decides to take Hagan, Danquat, and Siegfried on his journey. So four blokes to uh, head across the sea, and um, and that'll be fine. And yeah, that's cool. So Gunther also tells Creamhild and her lady peeps to make uh, them the finest clothes to take with them on their journey, which she agrees to do. All the while, Kriemhild and Siegfried, they're like eye-fucking each other in the, like across the room. Like, they're really into each other. Like, this is what they definitely want. Uh, so with the clothing complete, fantastic clothes from distant countries as Arabia, Morocco, and Libya, with lots of jewels and shit encrusted and embroidered in it, our four heroes, Gunther, Siegfried, uh, Hagan and Danquat set sail for their journey to Iceland, with Siegfried as their captain because he's been there before. So after 12 days, the group arrive at the fortress of Eisenstein, uh, the seat of Brunhild's power. But before the boys disembark the ship, Siegfried is like, Alright guys, if we're going to succeed in this, we're going to have to stick to a story. Uh, it is Gunther who is our lord, and we are going to be his vassals. Uh, so got it? Gunther's the one in charge, and we all serve him. 
Uh, wouldn't be hard for you, Hagan and Tanquat. Hey, you know what I mean? But it's got to be hard for me, Siegfried, because I'm a bit of a knob anyway. But I'm going to really try my best to, uh, to, to, to be a servant. So I'm going to be serve Gunther just like you guys. And so the four mainlanders offload their horses and provisions uh, where they're being watched by a bunch of maidens from the battlements of the fortress. One of which being Queen Brunhild herself. Brunhild! And Gunther catches a glimpse of her and he gets a bit hot under the collar. Like, he's a fan. He judges her to be beautiful. Oh, thanks for the shout out, Gunther, but I don't need you to tell me I'm hot. Now, as the boys are getting on their horses, Siegfried helps Gunther onto his horse uh, so that all those on the battlements see that it is Siegfried who is subservient to Gunther, you know, helping him out and shit. I'm a great servant. Now, the whole reasoning for this, you would think that if Siegfried has heard of Brunhild, then Brunhild certainly has heard of Siegfried. You know, a bloke that's killed a dragon is invulnerable to attack. You better believe she's at least heard stories. So with Siegfried being visibly subservient to Gunther, uh, that would make people go, oh, wow, this Siegfried works for Gunther. Oh, wow, if Siegfried works for Gunther, then Gunther must be pretty dope. Gunther's pretty dope. Anyway, that's kind of what I'm drawing from this. Uh, now we swing to Queen Brunhild, high on her walls, and she's asking her peeps about the dudes who've just rocked up at her in her land. And one of, the, one of them recognises Siegfried, and is like, ah, oh, let him in, he's pretty great. To which Brunhild re- replies, I will quote this from the text, this one, Bring me my robe. If Stark Siegfried be coming to my land to woo me, he shall pay for it with his life. I fear him not so greatly that I should yield me to be his wife. Pretty boss words and all that, but like, if you don't want to be married, you don't have to be married. Just fight some people for it. It's like pretty cool words. Uh, but even though she's uh, doesn't think a lot about this, she's like, mate, I want to make sure that I dress up and uh, look amazing. And she makes sure that all her lady peeps are adorned, adorned in their finest clothing. And they head down to receive the group. Now, as the groups join, Brunhild speaks to Siegfried like, Hail, Siegfried. Pretty mighty dude. Ah, uh, but what are you doing here? And these knights, what are you guys about? And Siegfried is like, ah, you do me too much honour, mighty queen. Uh, for I am a servant of Gunther, great king of Burgundy. He's right here. And Gunther's like, you, you think he's in the background going, hi, I'm Gunther. Uh, and Brunhild's like, um, all right, mate, I know what you lads are here for. I tell you what, Gunther, if you are lord over Siegfried, then how about you join me in a little athletic challenge, you know what I'm saying? I'm a pretty gunfighter, pretty powerful and shit, but who knows? You might win. And if you do, you get all this Brunhild goodness, you know what I'm saying? Ho-ho! Yeah. But if you fail, then you're all going to be dead. And you're like, whoa, wait, like, wasn't it just meant to be, like, the person who's, like, challenging for, you know, for a maiden head? Wasn't he going to be the one to die? But... Uh, does, I think everyone's going to die if uh, if Gunther fails. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter because Gunther, as well as being pretty turned on by this whole thing, he becomes a bit anxious. Uh, but Siegfried is like, ah, don't worry, bud. I've got a, I've got a few tricks up my sleeve to make sure Brunhild ends up on the losing side of this challenge. And with that, Gunther accepts the challenge and both uh, the groups depart to prepare for the coming contest. Now, not super honourable from Gunther, you'd say, you know, accepting some underhanded help from uh, 
to basically win a challenge underhandedly, a bit of stealth and guile and all that. But also, why does Brutalhild even have to set this crazy challenge? I get that women during the times which this story takes place have much less agency, but she's a massively impressive gunfighter warrior goddess. Like, just try and tell her what to do. She should just be like, well, I'm actually happy being single, you know, and... You know, if you've got something to say about that, you better come with steel, motherfucker. Like, I've got you. But it's still, for the purposes of the story, it's a pretty exciting prospect uh, to get these challenges going. A contest for the ages. And uh, and that's what they do. They, they, they both go and prepare. Now, Siegfried, he's seen walking down to the ship, uh, but he's not seen returning to the fortress. I wonder what's going on. Spoiler alert, uh, he's popped on the cloud cloak, and is now invisible and has uh, 12 extra dudes strength to boot as well. Uh, and he heads back in stealth to the athletic arena where Brunhild and Gunther are now about to throw down. Now switch to the arena and Brunhild looks legit like proper warrior goddess uh, carrying a heavy spear and a shield of steel and gold. Oh, and she's also carried a massive rock in there with her as well, just to show how jacked she is. It's pretty impressive. And at the side of this, <laughs> at the side of her, Hagan, in the crowd, starts shitting himself and doubts the wisdom of the whole quest. He quotes, <laughs> Who is this that Gunther woweth? Would she were the devil's bride in hell? And he's, he's a little bit worried. But it's alright, because Siegfried, he's sneaked his way into the arena and comes to Gunther's side with his invisibility cloak on, remember. And he goes, don't worry, mate, I've got you. Uh, you go through the actions and I'll make it happen. Helping out your mate to bag a prize. And so Brunhild flings her heavy spear, uh, which reaches the two blokes uh, with such speed that Gunther slash Siegfried uh, only just catch it before being impaled. Uh, and with Siegfried's strength of 12 extra dudes, Gunther sends the spear back at her, which she blocks but gets pretty pissed off that Gunther stopped that spear throw. <laughs> so Gunther has passed the first challenge. Challenge one complete. Now, the second challenge is a bit of a shot put, like a shot put long jump, we'll say. Uh, Brunhild, she launches the massive stone, which she brought in about 24 yards, and then long jumps past it as well. So the Gunther Siegfried combo, and thanks to uh, Cloudcloak, outdistance Brunhild's throw of the boulder, uh, oh, and then outjump it uh, substantially, with Gunther being carried by Siegfried. Okay, and at this point, like, how is no one suspicious of anything sus going on? Like, do you remember, like, ever, like being kids or teenagers or whatever, of playing the game where, like, you know, you stand behind your friend and then you put your arms through their arm, like their their armpit sockets, and then you play, like, oh, here's what my hands are doing. Oh, we're, we're doing spaghetti stuff. You do it in drama or whatever. And, like, not the most coordinated thing, right? And so what about performing, what about doing that sort of thing, like performing athletic challenges, though? Uh, like, how fluid do you think these movements are? I just got to go all bullshit on this that no one's even looked and said, like, oh, this is a bit sus. Like, even when Gunther's meant to be leaping, like, over 24 yards, he's being carried and people are like, yeah, that looks like he's doing that by himself. Even though the guy, even though, like, Siegfried's invisible, they're like, yeah, that looks totally, like, normal. But anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter because Gunther has won the second and final challenge. Challenge two, complete.
There are no more challenges. And though furious at being defeated, God damn it. Brunhild, she accepts that Gunther has bested her, and now she and her lady peeps will pay homage to him. Now, while this is happening, Siegfried, he's fucked off under the, uh, the cloud cloak back to the ship, stashed it away, and returns, now visible, to the group, and is like, oh, oh, what, it's already over? Oh, shit, I lost track of time. Oh, well, who won? Gunther. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I'm so glad we all get to live. But now, you know, Brunhild, she's got to return with us to Burgundy now. Uh, you know, be Gunther's wife and all that. But yeah, that's the uh, that's the, the plan, wasn't it? And now Brunhild, she's still brooding over being defeated fairly, uh, but has open, you know, openly declared her consent, uh, you know, to marry uh, and bring her vassals together, supposedly to pay homage. And Hagan, he reports to the group that new soldiers and knights are arriving through the gates all the time. And he's like, oh, should we be worried about this? Because remember that our mainland heroes, they only number four. Uh, and Brunhild, she has a shit ton of fighters. And they're now heading into Eisenstein. Uh, now our boys are a little nervous. And uh, Siegfried is like, shit, lads. Uh, I know we're pretty honorable and, uh, and, and that. You know, even though we just sneakily deceived a warrior goddess uh, into a marriage pact. But uh, ooh, uh, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit on edge about whether Brunhild's going to honour her pledge or not. Tell you what, I better chuff off and get us, uh, get us some backup. You know, sit tight. Here's a quote of what he says. He says, I will bring to your help a body of chosen knights that thou knowest not yet. Ask me no further, for I will hence and God guard you meanwhile. I will shortly return and bring with me a thousand knights then who the world holdeth none better, end quote. And Gunther's like, all right, mate, uh, but don't you dally. Uh, shit could go sideways pretty quick. You know, there's 84 or three of us now with you gone. And Siegfried tells Gunther to tell Brunhild that as a servant of Gunther, Siegfried has been sent away at Gunther's command, you know, to for whatever reason. Like Gunther has to tell the Burgundians what's going on, to prepare for a wedding, run a letter, whatever. It's he's, Siegfried is a servant of Gunther, he's telling that. And uh, with that, Siegfried chucks on the cloud catcher just for good measure. Well, actually, it's called cloud cloak. Cloud catcher is a beer made by Stone and Wood Brewing Company. Shout out to Stone and Wood. And then boards uh, a tiny little boat and then rows out to sea in search of a thousand knights who is nobody's match. Will he make it back in time? You'll have to find out in part four. Of the Nibelungen lead. Uh, you know, lots of tension now. Uh, a bit of foul play with uh, by the supposedly honourable Gunther and the boys. But at the same time, you know, you've got Brunhild. who's not super chuffed about losing a challenge. Shit could go down. And we'll see if any of this, uh, you know, see if any of the dishonourable actions of the boys, you know, comes back to bite them later. But for now, uh, we'll leave that story there. And uh, we'll come back to it in, in part four when we can. So as always, thank you all for listening. And uh, please help to make sure that you like this episode and any other episode you listen to. Give us a like. Um, Follow A Little History Podcast wherever you're finding us today. And leave a comment or get in touch via the Gmail, a little history podcast at Gmail. Or via the socials being mainly uh, Instagram or Facebook. DM, DM us on that. We'd love to hear from you. But most of all... And one of the most easiest things, I reckon, is if you like what's going on here, tell tell people about us. You know, tell your friends, tell your family, and especially tell your enemies so they know 
what they've been missing out on you know this is this is fun stuff and it's a fun little journey but yeah we love having you on board for it and uh yeah we'll catch you next episode uh of of a little history but that's all for today uh you know thanks for thanks for tuning in once again and i will catch you next time on little history okay bye for now thanks for listening to a little history uh, we're an independent podcast, so it would truly be wonderful if you could uh, like or follow us wherever you're hearing a little history today. Uh, and feel free to leave a comment below as well. Now, if you want to get in touch, uh, have any suggestions for future episodes, or you just want to send in your love, send it to a little history podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under a little history podcast. All right, we'll see you next time.